Response to Phil Torres The Case Against Long-Termism by Haydn. Belfield. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Response to Phil Torres The Case Against Long-Termism, published by Haydn Belfield on the Effective Altruism Forum. This short post responds to some of the criticisms of long-termism in Torres' mini-book, where the great tragedies of history mere ripples. The Case Against Long-Termism, which I came across in this syllabus. I argue that while many of the criticisms of Bostrom strike true, newer formulations of long-termism and existential risk, most prominently Ords the Precipice, but also Greaves, McCaskill, etc., do not face the same challenges. I split the criticisms into two sections, the first on problematic ethical assumptions or commitments, the second on problematic policy proposals. Note that I both respect and disagree with all three authors. Torres' piece is insightful and thought-provoking, as well as polemical. Ord's book is a great restatement of the ethical case, though I disagree with his prioritization of climate change, nuclear weapons and collapse, and Bostrom is a groundbreaking visionary, though one can dispute many of his views. Problematic ethical assumptions or commitments. Torres argues that long-termism rests on assumptions and makes commitments that are problematic and unusual niche. He is correct that Bostrom has a number of unusual ethical views, and in his early writing he was perhaps overly fond of a contrarian even given these incredibly conservative assumptions the argument goes through framing. But Torres does not sufficiently appreciate that these limitations and constraints have largely been acknowledged by long-termist philosophers, who have, reformulated long-termism so as to not require these assumptions and commitments. Total Utilitarianism Torres suggests that long-termism is based on an ethical assumption of total utilitarianism, a view in which we should maximize well-being based on adding together the well-being of all the individuals in a group. Such a more is better ethical view accords significant weight to trillions of future individuals. He points out that total utilitarianism is not a majority opinion amongst moral philosophers. However, although total utilitarianism strongly supports long-termism, long-termism doesn't need to be based on total utilitarianism. One of the achievements of the precipice is Ord's arguments pointing out the affinities between long-termism with other ethical traditions, such as conservatism, obligations to the past, virtue ethics. One can be committed to a range of ethical views and endorse long-termism. Trillions of simulations on Computronium. Torres suggests that the scales are tilted towards long-termism by including in the calculation quadrillions of simulations of individuals living flourishing lives. The view that such simulations would be moral agents, or that this future is desirable, is certainly unusual. But one doesn't have to be committed to this view for the argument to work. The argument goes through if we assume that humanity never leaves Earth, and simply survives until the Earth is uninhabitable, or even more conservatively, survives the duration of an average mammalian species. There are still trillions of future individuals, whose interests and dignity matter. Reducing risk from 0.001% to 0.0001% is not the same as saving thousands of lives. Torres implies that long-termism is committed to a view of the form that reducing risk from 0.001% to 0.0001% is morally equivalent to saving for example thousands of present-day lives. This a clear example of early Bostrom stating his argument in a philosophically robust, but very counterintuitive way. Worries about this framing have been common for over a decade, in the debate over Pascal's mugging. However, long-termism does not have to be stated in such a way. The probabilities are unfortunately likely higher, for example Ord gives a 1 6th, 16%, probability of existential risk this century, and the reductions in risk are likely higher too. That is, with the right policies, for example robust arms control regimes, we could potentially reduce existential risk by 1 to 10%. 
specifically on Pascal's mugging, a number of decision theory responses have been proposed, which I will not discuss here. Transhumanism and space settlement and not reaching technological maturity equals existential risk. Torres suggests that long-termism is committed to transhumanism and space settlement, in order to expand the number of future individuals, and argues that Bostrom bakes this commitment into existential risk through a negative definition of existential risk as any future that does not achieve technological maturity, through extinction, plateauing, etc. However, while Bostrom certainly does think this future is ethically desirable, long-termism is not committed to it. Torres underplays the crucial changes Ord makes with his definition of existential risk as the destruction of humanity's potential and the institution of the long reflection to decide what we should do with this potential. Long reflection proponents specifically propose not engaging in transhumanist enhancement or substantial space settlement before the long reflection is completed. Long-termism is not committed to any particular outcome from the long reflection. For example, if after the long reflection humanity decided to never become post-humans, and never leave Earth, this would not necessarily be viewed by long-termists as a destruction of humanity's potential, simply one choice as to how to spend that potential. Problematic Policy Proposals Torres argues that long-termists are required to endorse problematic policy proposals. I argue that they are not, I personally would not endorse these proposals. Continue developing technology to reduce natural risk. Torres argues that long-termists are committed to continued technological development for transhumanist space settlement reasons, and to prevent natural risks, but that this is nuts because, as he fairly points out, long-termists themselves argue that natural risk is tiny compared to anthropogenic risk. However, the more common long-termist policy proposal is differential technological development, to try to foster and speed up the development of risk-reducing, or more generally socially beneficial, technologies and to slow down the development of risk-increasing, or socially harmful, technologies. This is not a call to continue technological development in order to become post-humans or reduce asteroid supervolcano risk, it is to differentially progress technology, assuming that overall technological development is hard impossible to stop. I would agree with this assumption, but one may reasonably question it, especially when phrased as a form of strong technological completism, any technology that can get invented will get invented. Justifies surveillance. Torres argues against the turnkey totalitarianism, extensive and intrusive mass surveillance and control to prevent misuse of advanced technology, explored in Bostrom's vulnerable world hypothesis, and implies that long-termism is committed to such a policy. However, long-termism does not have to be committed to such a proposal. In particular, one can simply object that Bostrom has a mistaken threat model. The existential risks we have faced so far, nuclear and biological weapons, climate change, have largely come from state militaries and large companies, and the existential risks we may soon face, from new biotechnologies and transformative AI, will also come from the same threat sources. The focus of existential risk prevention should therefore be on states and companies. Risks from individuals and small groups are relatively much smaller. These small benefits from the kind of mass surveillance Bostrom explores means it is not justified by a cost-benefit analysis. Nevertheless, in the contrived hypothetical of anyone with a microwave could have a nuclear weapon, would long-termism be committed to restrictions on liberty? I address this in the next heading. Justifies mass murder. Torres argues that long-termists would have to be willing to commit horrendous acts, for example destroy Germany with nuclear weapons, if it would prevent extinction. This is a classic objection to all forms of consequentialism and utilitarianism, from the trolley problem to the Colosseum objection. There are many classic responses, ranging from disputing the hypothetical to pointing out that other ethical views are also committed to such an action. It is not a unique objection to long-termism, 
and loses some of its force as long-termism does not have to be based on utilitarianism, as I said above. I would also point out that it is an odd accusation to level, as long-termism places such high priority on peace, disarmament and avoiding catastrophes. Justifies giving money to the rich rather than the extreme poor, which is a form of white supremacy. Tourists suggest that long-termism is committed to donating to the rich rather than to those in extreme poverty, or indeed animals. He further argues that this reinforces racial subordination and maintain as a normalized white privilege. However, long-termism is not committed to donating, much less transferring wealth from poor countries, to present rich people. Long-termists might in practice donate to NGOs or scientists in the developed world, but the ultimate beneficiaries are future generations. Indeed, the same might be true of other cause areas for example work on a malaria vaccine or clean meat. Tourist does not seem to accord much weight to how much long-termists recognize this as a moral dilemma and feel very conflicted, most long-termists began as committed to ending the moral crimes of extreme poverty, or of factory farming. There are many huge tragedies, but one must unfortunately chose where to spend one's limited time and resources. Long-termism is committed to the view that future generations matter morally. They are moral equals. When someone is born is a morally irrelevant fact, like their race, gender, nationality or sexuality. Furthermore, present people are in an unjust, exploitative power imbalance with future generations. Future generations have no voice or vote in our political and economic systems. They can do nothing to affect us. Our current political and economic systems are set up to overwhelmingly benefit those currently alive, often at the cost of exploiting, and loading costs onto, future generations. This lack of recognition of moral equality, lack of representation, power imbalance and exploitation shares many characteristics with white supremacy racism slash colonialism and other unjust power structures. It is ironic to accuse a movement arguing on behalf of the voiceless of being a form of white supremacy. Thanks for listening to help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.